Hi, my name's Grant Fishbook, and I am honored to be the lead teaching pastor here at Christ the King Church in Bellingham, Washington. Thank you so much for choosing to access this online content today. We really hope you'll enjoy this message. One of our values here at Christ the King is biblical face-to-face -face community. And so while we are so excited that you joined us today online, I really want to encourage you. Make sure that this is never a replacement for face-to-face -face biblical community. Your story matters, you matter, and we want to see you get connected in a local church. Now, if you're here in our area, we would love to have you join us at any one of our five campuses. But if you find yourself outside of the Bellingham area, we really want you to get connected into a local church. So we hope and pray that that happens for you very, very soon. If I haven't met you before, my name is Grant. Merry Christmas. Glad to be with you tonight uh, on this Saturday night. Our family started collecting Christmas stories years ago when our kids were small. In fact, we have amassed quite a collection in our home. And even though our kids are grown and gone this year, every year we still drag out this metal tin that is absolutely chock full with Christmas stories. Uh, Christmas stories that I read to my kids and someday I hope to read to my grandkids. No pressure, Braden and Olivia, Alex and McKenna, if you're watching this, that's what grandpa wants for Christmas. I'm just saying. Okay, so no pressure. Our favorite story was this one. This is a new copy, but our copy is shredded, torn apart. It's been taped back together again because we read it so many times. The story's called The Crippled Lamb by Max Lucado. If you've got kids, you should buy it and read it to them. I love this story because it's a simple story about a lamb named Joshua. Joshua is born with a crippled leg, and he can't understand why God won't let him go with all the other sheep out with the shepherd into the new meadows. And, 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 and he, he asks a question over and over again, why would God make me broken? Why would God make me broken? And then one very special night, Joshua and his cow friend Abigail are in a stable together, and Joshua finds out why God made him broken. Because a couple shows up, 
And they bring a baby into the stable where Joshua is. And simply because he's there, because he's broken but available, he gets to give a welcome and warmth to a new baby by the name of Jesus. And I'll never forget both of my kids coming with that book every night for a month saying exactly the same thing. Daddy, would you please tell us that story again? Last weekend, Pastor Brian Behrens eloquently challenged us not to allow our familiarity with the Christmas story to become an obstacle to something new that God might want to do in our hearts. Let's be honest. Familiarity can become a barrier because we think we've heard it all before. We say, I don't need to hear the Christmas story again. I already know all about Margie and Joseph and... uh, those sheep guys and the little drummer boy and the wise men who bring the money in the envelopes. I mean, I know all about that stuff. I don't need to hear anything about it at all. I know all the details, Grant. Thank you very much. Some of you caught that. Come on, Saturday, stick with me, all right? You know, and it's true. It's one of the most challenging stories of the year to talk about because there's no new details. I'm not going to come up with something, a new spin that, that you've never heard before, And and, and I I do have a question. What if there didn't have to be? What if this story is so raw and so remarkable and so transformational that it would be good enough this year to just simply tell the story again? You know, the truth is humanity has been coming back to this story for 2,000 years. This story has been in the center of a holiday for more than two millennia. That should tell us something. Every year, those who believe and those who don't believe both directly and indirectly, come back to a story about a God who loved the world so much that he sent his own son into the world to save people from sin. That's a big story. That's a story worth telling over and over and over again. And in the book of Luke, chapter one, one of the closest friends of Jesus, he includes an introduction that we mostly skip right over. I mean, honestly, if you read the book of Luke, for the most part, we go straight to Luke chapter two because that's where the Christmas story is. But let me read for you the first four verses of Luke chapter 1 that says this, many of them have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by one and those from the first who were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus. If you want to know who that is, it's just a friend of Luke's. So that you may know the certainty of the things that you have been taught. Just in this little introduction to the greatest story ever told, we learn some powerful truth about the Christmas story. And Dr. Luke, he was a physician, he tells us the story of the coming of Jesus is this. It's worth repeating. It's worth repeating. Luke says many people have tried to capture this story. Lots of people have tried to to come up with an account, and that's why people resonate with the story that God came here, that God drew near. So it's a story that's been repeated time after time after time, and the reason it's been repeated is because it's true. Secondly, the story of the coming of Jesus, it's credible. I mean, if you read this, Luke says this is based on eyewitness accounts. This is not secondhand information. This is not an ancient game of telephone where people tried to capture an idea and just hoped that it would be translated the right way. This all came from a storytelling culture that curated its history this way on purpose. And I'll tell you what, if your history hangs on the accuracy of your being able to tell the story, you're going to tell the story right. 
Luke says, I want to preserve this for centuries, so I'm going to write this down. Thirdly, the story of Jesus coming is reliable. Luke was a meticulous physician, and he wrote down an account of everything that happened. Now, hopefully he wrote it with half-decent handwriting because we know what the reputation of doctors is, correct? Okay, all right? But this is a guy who's into the details. And I want to remind you of something. Dr. Luke saw this story unfold with his own eyes. He lived with the baby in the manger that grew up. He knew Mary personally. Do we understand that? He did his homework so he could write an orderly account of historical fact for one reason, so that everyone who heard the story over the centuries would have the same hope of heaven, a hope that's anchored in the confident foundation on which the heart of God is revealed. And this is the message of Christmas. I talked about it in the Hope series. It's amazing how it just continues forward. Here's the message you need. God loves you. God is for you. He's coming after you. He came after you. And he's relentless. He's relentless. Last week, Pastor Brian talked about Mary and her moment of fear and favor. And this week, I just want to press in deeper into the journey a journey that every single one of us is on tonight, right here. The same God who put Joseph and Mary on a journey to Bethlehem put you on a journey to Bellingham tonight. You're not here by accident, neither am I. So let me just tell you the story again. Luke chapter 2 says this, In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was the governor of Syria. And everyone went down to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house in the line of David. And he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. If you're following in your outline, I want you to underline two words. Joseph went. Joseph went. I love that simple act of obedience. It's a journey to undertake Joseph, and I'm going to need you to get to Bethlehem because there's a timeline and a prophecy and a promise. It's going to be fulfilled there, so I'm going to need you to go. God said move, and Joseph went. An angel told Mary, here's what I need from you, Mary. I need you to believe and trust. I know you're a teenager, and I know you didn't expect to be pregnant, but here's the deal. I need you to go on this journey, a journey of obedience, and Mary went. God the Father told Jesus, Jesus, people need saving. It's going to cost you your life, but I need you to go. And he went over and over in the Christmas story. The shepherds went. The wise men went. Joseph went. Mary went. Jesus went. Uh, Apparently, Christmas is all about obedience. We're all on a Christmas journey about obedience. And our journey, it's not just to simply survive the next couple of weeks. Some of you, you just got to get to the 25th and then it's all smooth sailing from there. That's not the point. Our journey is about obediently living out the reason why Jesus came. Jesus came to people. Jesus came for people. Jesus came to share this story and now we need to go everywhere that God is calling us. Let's just talk about the journey for a second. I believe the journey of obedience starts with a promise. A lot of people think that the Christmas story begins in Bethlehem. Boy, it began way before that. All the way back in Genesis chapter 3, in the Proto-Evangelium, for my Latin friends, God whispered a promise. 
all the way back in Genesis chapter 3. He said, here's the deal. A Messiah is going to come. And on the day Messiah comes, it's not going to go well for the snake in the garden. Somebody say amen. amen. Good grief, Saturday. Come on now. All the way back there that there was a Messiah coming 700 years before Bethlehem. A prophet named Isaiah wrote out a promise from God himself. He said, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and you will call him Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. Isaiah is prophesying. 700 years, he's laying out details. Isaiah prophesied the Messiah would come from the line of David. That's a big deal because the line of David originated in a little town called Bethlehem. He prophesied that the Messiah would be a Nazarene. Interesting that Jesus grew up in Nazareth. It's Isaiah 9, Isaiah 11. These are small but important details that are wrapped inside of a clear message that a Messiah is coming. And it's so close to our hearts because we know that he wasn't just coming, he came. That's why we're getting ready for the 25th of December. By the way, Jesus wasn't born in December. I'm just, I know it blows up the calendar and all the rest of it. Nobody knows the exact day, but that's the day when we stop and celebrate. God made a promise. Genesis 3, 700 years before the fulfillment, God made a promise and God always keeps his promises. And this moment in Bethlehem is just a fulfillment of hundreds of years of God's plan and God's promise. Why does that matter? Because the same God who brought Joseph and Mary to this strategic moment brought you here tonight. That's why you're here. Like, that's not the reason I'm here, Grant. I had a small window in my Christmas schedule. I thought I'd stick in a little bit of church. It just felt right. No, sorry. You underestimate what's actually going on here tonight. Every single one of you was handpicked by the God of the universe to spend a little time with us talking about Jesus. So God brought us into this strategic moment. He's writing a Christmas story for you right now. He's architecting a journey. The question is, are you willing to go in the direction that God is calling you to? It's not an easy journey. At least it wasn't for Joseph and Mary. I mean, think about this. How would you respond if God told you to take a pregnant donkey ride? <laughs> Guys, you have no right to answer. I'm just saying, okay? I mean, I only get the donkey part, and I just know that's uncomfortable. That does not sound like something that I would sign up for. I think we can all agree the journey of obedience isn't easy for anybody. Many of us think the journey of Christmas, it should be easy, right? We're followers of Jesus. This should be easy for us. It wasn't easy for anyone in the Christmas story. It wasn't easy for Jesus. He left the comfort of heaven and chose this place to come. It wasn't easy for Joseph. Joseph lost his godly reputation in a sex scandal. I mean, can you imagine his community? Yeah, 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 Joseph, we understand the explanation. Mary's pregnant and God did it. Sure. It wasn't easy for Mary. Mary gave up her, her reputation. She gave up her whole life. She embraced this stigma for God's promise. I mean, why would we think the journey to Christmas would be easy for us? And in the midst of it, just think about it. In our modern world, you got to battle through busyness and commercialism. And the truth is God has called us to battle the same way that Joseph and Mary did with grit and faithfulness and courage. We're going to have to battle through. The question is, you got the courage to go the direction that God is calling you to go. Because just in case you're wondering, he's called you to go counter-cultural, not with culture. 
Why is this such a challenge? Brian tipped his hand to it last week. It's a challenge because God often gives us the what before the how. What was the first question Mary asked the angel when the ill angel told her what was going to happen to her? First question, how is this going to work out? How can this be? There are certain biological laws in place, and apparently you're telling me that they're all going to be shifted according to what you're telling me. How will this be? Some of you are asking the same question tonight. I know I am. How am I going to get through this schedule? How am I going to love my unbelieving family in the midst of this Christmas fury? How am I going to deal with the loneliness this year? How am I going to explain to my kids why grandpa's not here this time? How am I? How am I? How am I? I think it's a valid question. You know, just so you know, God already gave you your what? You know what you're supposed to be about this Christmas? The Bible says you will be my witnesses. That's what, that's what you're supposed to be doing. That's what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm supposed to be a witness to the Christmas story. My question is this, how in the world would I have to, the responsibility of telling somebody again if I've never told them in the first place? So here's what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be sharing this story with people over and over and over again. Some of us are like, how in the world am I going to do that? How am I going to summon the courage to share the light of the world in my dark workplace? How am I going to live out joy and hope in a world that seems broken? How am I going to share a story when I feel so broken? And all I got going for me is I'm available. Well, here's the good news. You don't have to do it alone. Because the journey of obedience is actually a partnership. Listen to Isaiah chapter 9, where the prophet Isaiah says this, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. God says, you don't even really have to understand how you're going to go about doing it. You just have to step out in faith. You got to believe the promise that God came for a specific purpose and reason, and that you've been called to be a witness to that. Isaiah 9 says that we've seen the light. What light is he talking about? He's talking about the light of the world, Jesus, and now we get to carry that light inside of us just like Mary carried Jesus. That was her role. Everyone in this room has a role to play this Christmas. Mary's role was to be a great mom. To the moms in the room, maybe your role is to just point your kids to Jesus, make sure they've heard the story once, and then take an opportunity to tell it to them again. Joseph's role was to get his wife and stepson to Bethlehem, because that was a part of the plan. Dad's in the room. Maybe your role is to be a protective father and look after your own and a couple of those that aren't your own. I mean, if you think about it, even the donkey had a role. I mean, the role for the donkey, just keep walking, right? You think it's insignificant, but it's important. Maybe your role is to be an inviting neighbor that actually believes God and obeys God when he says, love your neighbor as yourself. Maybe your role is to actually share the story of Jesus with them in, in, in a way that they can understand and in a way that, that, you don't re, that they don't reinforce the stereotypes that so many Jesus followers have. 
Maybe your role is to notice the lonely and to reach them just like Jesus reached you. Maybe your role is to tell the story to the people you know, a simple story that God loves you, that God is for you, that he came after you, and he's relentless. I think we all need to be reminded of this. I cannot take claim to this statement. If you need to know the author, he's sitting in the sound booth right now. His name's Brian. He preached last week. He goes, when it comes to the journey of obedience, you're a partner, not a puppet. You're a partner with this story and the God who wrote it. Will we share? Let's keep going. The journey of obedience is inconvenient. I mean, I love the history behind the story. What sets it all off is a government decision. How many of us would go, yeah, sign me up for that, right? We have a lot of opinions about this kind of thing. It was a government decision. Hey, Here's the deal, people. Everybody's got to go home to your hometown and register. That's what has to be happening. Can you imagine what Joseph was thinking in that moment? Like, I don't have anything better to do when my wife's pregnant than to take a three-day, 80-mile journey on the back of a donkey just so I can sign a census form? Are you kidding me? I can imagine he's just frustrated. If it was me in my modern context, Grant, you got to go home to Brandon, Manitoba and just be counted because that's your home and that's your tribe and that's who you are, so you got to go. You know what's amazing? I'm not sure that Joseph and Mary had put all the pieces together in their mind. The Bible says that Joseph was a righteous man. He was tzaddik. That's the actual terminology. He knew all about the prophecies. But do you think maybe there was still some question? Like, are you actually talking about me? Participating in this? He knew the promise. The Messiah was going to come from the line of David. David's hometown was Bethlehem. I'm not sure Joseph was putting all of the pieces together. So this still would have been an unbelievable inconvenience, but Joseph still knew there was a promise. So he stepped out. I think we need to, I think we should all learn this. God often uses inconveniences to accomplish his plan. I was Christmas shopping last week. I know, call me an idiot, whatever. I went to Kohl's. I'm standing in line with a thing that'll show up in my wife's life, in a couple of weeks, right? And I got stuck in line, and I'm late. I'm late for my next meeting, and it was an important meeting. I needed to get back. It was unbelievably inconvenient, and I'm standing in the Coles line, and I noticed this thing. Maybe you've seen this before, and you're standing there, and your eyes are forward, and the person behind you is kind of doing like one of these things, like... Finally, I just turned like, hello. It was awkward, and he said, thought it was you thought it was you. He goes, you look a lot smaller. <laughs> okay. He said, I'd like to tell you something. He goes, uh, my car broke down in the CTK parking lot on Christmas Eve two years ago. I had to wait for a tow. Took two hours for the driver to get there. Had nowhere else to go. And the only other place other than lovers that was open, <laughs> yes, was CTK. So he goes, I walked in the door because a lot of other people were walking in the door. And he goes, and you were the guy. You're the guy with the microphone, right? Like, yep, been doing that for almost 20 years. He said, I heard you talk about Jesus. I'm still not sure about this Christianity thing. 
but I'm still looking. What time are the services this year? You know what? All of a sudden, it wasn't such an inconvenience to be in a line at Kohl's. And his inconvenient story actually brought him through the front door. I have a question for you, church. Are your neighbors interruptions and inconveniences? Do you have a story to tell? Do you think maybe the inconvenient fact that God put them right next door to you could actually be an open door for you to show up with a little green invitation and say, look, I I don't have any idea what you're doing on Christmas Eve. But my family and I, we're going to go hear a story again. And we would love it if you came with us. Waiting was an inconvenience, but I tell you what, God uses it over and over and over again. It was inconvenient for Mary and Joseph to have to go to Bethlehem. And I'm sure if God had to explain it to them in a different way in a different time, he probably would have said, I totally understand this is bad timing, but here's what you need to understand. Bethlehem means house of bread, and I need you to be in Bethlehem because the bread of life is going to come into the world there. I made a promise, and I'm going to keep it. One other thought about the census. What if your role in Christmas this year is to simply stand up and be counted? What if this is the year when you finally work up the nerve to say, here's the bottom line. This is where I'm from, and this is who I am, and this is who I, this is the tribe that I belong to. I'm a follower of Jesus, and I'm not ashamed of that, because he's not ashamed of me. And so I'm going to boldly stand and be counted. I don't care if people call me a Bible-thumping Jesus freak. Jesus takes that as a compliment, and so should I. One last piece. Let's be honest, the journey of obedience can sometimes feel lonely. The Bible says the road to heaven is narrow and hard, and I've been on the road to Bethlehem. It is narrow and difficult. It can feel daunting. And I think sometimes during this Christmas season, those of us that are on our way towards the manger, trying as best we can to push stuff out of the way, I I just think we need to know we're not alone on the road. History tells us Hundreds of people were heading to Bethlehem. They just probably couldn't see each other. A whole bunch of inconvenienced people heading in a direction, not even having a clue what was going to happen in this little tiny out-of-the-way town. And I think sometimes we need to be reminded we're not alone on this journey either. This is true. God's placed us all on a journey, and we're not alone. And it's true that God promised he would never leave us alone. But I think it's important for us to realize that, that maybe there's a reason why we're here tonight. And for some of us, it could be to be reminded that we don't have to do this by ourselves. And maybe we could find out tonight before we leave that we're a little closer than we think. So we're going to do a little experiment. You can participate with me if you want to, but you don't have to. It's never a competition and nobody's ever going to make you do anything at CTK, Okay. But we're going to do something and just see whether or not maybe we're a lot more in common than we are different. And maybe those of us that are heading towards the manger are not the only ones that are doing it in Whatcom County this year. So, in the words of my good friend Linus, lights please. You just join in if you feel like it.
silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright, round yon virgin mother and child. Holy infant, so tender and mild, sleep in heavenly peace, sleep in heavenly Why do you know the lyrics to a 200-year-old song? This year's the 200th anniversary of Silent Night. Christmas Eve 200 years ago, a group of people sang that song for the very first time. Why do you all know it? I don't think it's because some of you are familiar with the song or the story behind the song. Some of you never heard before that Joseph Moore, a pastor, had actually written a poem called Silent Night and he had given it to Franz Gruber hoping, hoping that his friend could write an organ piece that would go along with the tune and then the organ was actually busted in the town so they had to make a conversion really, really quick and Gruber picked up a guitar and played it and, and that was a scandal back in those days because you didn't play guitars in church. I don't think that's why you know the song at all. I think the reason you know the song is because you know the story within the song. A story about a God who loved people so much that he would stop at nothing and would even send his son in the middle of a night that was actually filled with chaos and anger and political squabbles and people with disunity and that for one moment he would put the world at complete peace and send a message through a tiny little baby that God loves you and God's for you and he's coming after you and he's relentless. I think we love that song because it reminds us of a story. And I don't ever want to assume that you've heard it. Well, then I need to tell it to you again because maybe there's some people in the room that have never heard it for the first time. And I don't want anyone to come to CTK during the Christmas series and, and say, Grant, you kept talking about telling me again, telling me again, and you never told me the first time. So... I'm going to ask Andy and Mark if they'll come and join me. And even though you're not my kids, I'm going to read you something from the very best book that I know. And my hope and my prayer tonight is that no matter what journey you may find yourself on, my prayer is that you will choose the journey of obedience that you won't just end up here on the 23rd and the 24th because that's just what good people do on Christmas, but instead that you'll come along with friends and family so that we can all hear the story 
again. So, the guys are going to help me out. And all you need to do is sit and listen. The Bible says in Luke chapter 2. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. It was the first census that took place while Quirinius was the governor of Syria. And everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house in the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. And she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you, and he is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that's happened which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. That's a story worth telling again. A story that God loves you. That God is for you. That he came after you. And he's relentless. Would you pray with me? God, thank you for a simple reminder about how beautiful this story is. That we don't need a new spin on it this year. We can just simply come back and, and say to you, Jesus, tell us the story again. The story of how you came. The story of the journey of obedience that you were on. And how that should compel us to become your witnesses this Christmas season. So God, help us to look up and down the street that we live on. Help us to realize that God, if, well, how in the world are they going to know if nobody tells them? God, would you help us to welcome other people into a silent night, a holy night, 
when all is calm and all is bright. So God, may we be your witnesses. May we invite other people into the story, the story of obedience that you started writing before time even began. God, help us to stand and be counted this Christmas. May we get to tell the story once. And then may we be honored to tell the story again and again and again. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for watching. We're so glad that you joined us today. Once again, we hope you'll get involved in biblical face-to-face community wherever you happen to be today. If you'd like more information about Christ the King Community Church, if you'd like to give online, or if you'd like to submit a prayer request, or even get connected in a small group, you can find out more about us at ctk.church.